Hey, dentisting friends, this is Dr. Nacho. I'm so excited to be doing the Dental Nacho Supreme CE coming up soon. It is going to be 24 hours of live streamed virtual CE brought to you on your couch when you watch live. It counts as live. Miss an episode. It's going to be up in the group for the entire year. To learn more about this awesome opportunity, reach out to us at dentalnachos.com or email supreme at dentalnachos.com. My number one amigo, Rob, is going to be one of the uh, presenters for the Dental Nacho Supreme. It's going to be awesome. You're going to love it. It's going to be CE brought to you on your couch. Don't miss out. Welcome to the Dental Amigos podcast with Dr. Paul Goodman and attorney Rob Montgomery, taking you behind the scenes of the dental business world, all the things you didn't learn in dental school but wish you had. Rob is not a dentist and Paul is not a lawyer, but since Rob is a lawyer, we need to tell you that this podcast is for informational purposes only and shouldn't be considered legal advice. Listening to this podcast does not and will not create an attorney-client relationship. As is always the case, you should formally consult with legal counsel before proceeding with any legal matter. Learn more about The Dental Amigos at www.thedentalamigos.com. And now, here are The Dental Amigos. Hello, everyone. I'm Rob Montgomery, and I'm joined, as always, by the head nacho himself, Dr. Paul Goodman. Great to be here with you, Rob. Paul, it's great to see you, and uh, welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Dental Amigos podcast. Today, we're joined by a couple of very experienced dental industry veterans from the firm of Triller and Heisel, Sean Johnson and Laura Blaine. Triller and Heisel, if you don't know, provides insurance and wealth management services to dental and medical professionals around the country. And for years, we're really known for their work with dental specialists, but over time, they've really expanded their footprint into the general dentistry world as well. So they're very much full service insurance and wealth management firm for all of dentistry, Paul. And Sean Johnson is the vice president of business and development for Trailer and Heisel. Over the last 20 years, Sean has helped hundreds of dentists implement business and personal insurance policies and really to develop financial planning techniques and investment plans. He has assisted in installing retirement plans for dental offices, as well as providing personal savings and investment strategies. He's a chartered financial consultant and a member of the National Association of Insurance and Financial Professionals and the Financial Planning Association of Pittsburgh. Laura Blaine is the manager of the property and casualty division for Trailer and Heisel, and she has over 15 years of management experience and has been leading their property and casualty division support team and coordinating with their advisors and clients at Trailer and Heisel for the past 10 years. So today, Paul, we're really going to get into and talk to Laura and Sean about some business insurance products that we feel deserve to be highlighted and given more attention and scrutiny in the post, I'm going to say COVID and post-COVID business world, Paul, because I'm optimistic that the post-COVID world is coming soon. <laughs> I, I never know. People say we're post-pandemic. We mid-pandemic? I'm not sure. But I hope we're getting to that point. Well, if we keep telling ourselves and other people that it's post-pandemic, maybe it'll just become this self-fulfilling prophecy and everybody will just maybe join so. in and say the pandemic's over. I'm here in Center City. You can go inside places now. Before, before this, I, I said I didn't feel like I was... Uh, locked down. I felt like I was locked out. It was like a movie set. You could walk up and down the streets of Philly. You just couldn't go inside any places. So, you know, yes, I like that, Rob. A little bit better. We are making some progress. Yes. The post-COVID transition. That's a word we like to use, right, in the in the dental business yeah, and legal world. Like and it, uh, to start off with the most important topic. Uh, right, right now, without, uh, without, uh, without further ado, though, here are Sean Johnson and Laura Blaine. Welcome, amigo and amiga. And thanks for being on the show. 
Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Paul. Happy to be here. Seen it a bunch of times. I'm very excited to be part of it. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for having us on today. Awesome, guys. Well, yeah, we start with the hard-hitting questions. So if we were, if we were visiting where you guys live, uh, what is your favorite place to get nachos, and what is your favorite topping? Go ahead, Laura. Take this one first, and I'll go. Okay, so I'm pretty traditional. I guess my favorite topping would be um, queso and ho homemade salsa, and I think the best place is El Canelo in Newcastle. Nice. I like that. And I'm very plain. I could eat nachos without any topping, believe it or not. But I would say queso, and there's a place called Patrones uh, in the North Hills of Pittsburgh that's pretty phenomenal. Patrones, yeah. Oh, yeah. Get me, help me get through the pandemic. So thanks to both of us. I like that. And I agree. We have to say this is almost over. That way we have a much more positive outlook. Yeah, yeah. Are Let's we there yet? Forward. I asked that a lot. Are we there yet? Are we there? So I like that. That's it. We, we've transitioned into post-COVID. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, thanks so much for being on, guys. I, you know, we've had the, the privilege of, of co-presenting and collaborating uh, with my firm, with Trailer and Heisel, uh, with mutual clients and, and CE presentations over the years. And, you know, the, the folks in the, with your company have always really been exemplary in the dental profession, just very much a class act. And uh, the firm has a great reputation for having experienced uh, people that really are able to help dentists and, and put them in the position to succeed. So we work with a lot of trailer and high school people around the country. And uh, I'm, I'm happy to have you guys on today to talk about some insurance products that are really, in, in, in our world as lawyers, we see the, uh, the, on the horizon that there are some problems and more problems that are coming potentially for practices. And I saw one of the uh, daily emails I subscribe to refer to in a slightly different context, but you know, there is a bad moon rising with some things. And I think that dentists really need to be aware of what those things are and understand what insurance products are available for them to combat some of these possible claims. So let's kick it off with, you know, in our firm, we do have uh, we do a lot of HR consulting. We help clients with employment issues. And as my clients have heard, and some of them I'm sure are listening now, we really are concerned for them in this post-COVID era, we'll stick with the theme, where uh, there are so many hiring and firing decisions being made. So from a lawyer standpoint, when you're looking at advising clients and people with uh, employment matters and HR matters. Any time that there are a, uh, there's a big flow of hiring and firing, where people are coming and going, a lot of employment decisions are being made, whether to bring somebody back, whether to lay them off, whether to hire them. That just increases that frequency. Just increases the likelihood that there are going to be problems with things like discrimination claims, either age, race, sex other types of, of discrimination or harassment claims. And what we find out oftentimes when our clients have been sued, that they didn't know what insurance products were available to them. So if we can, let's kick it off with talking about what is employer, and it's employer employment practices liability insurance. I always know it as EPLI. So sure. if you guys can take a crack at that and just generally Talk to our listeners about what that insurance covers. 
you know, it all starts with the business owner's policy. Um, you know, you get this policy, usually your bank requires it before they'll go to closing so that if there's fire damage or water damage or something like that, there's something in place to help rebuild the practice um, and protect the practice, the physical location. But on that policy, there is employment practice liability insurance protection, but it's very nominal. Uh, Laura, what would you say the common amounts you might see in the industry just on the base business owner's policy that you might see? Yeah, on some policies, we see a throw-in of 10000 or 25000 at the max, and some policies don't have any throw-in at all. So there's no coverage unless that client opts to add that coverage in. So, you know, we what we do is, you know, we have, geez, 22,000 dentists as clients, and we know what the exposure is. And uh, we suggest that we look at adding additional coverage on um, through you know, onto the base policy so that you can raise those limits much to a much higher, more adequate amount. Um, typically in the past, we'd see it that, you know, maybe a young dentist is buying a, an older dentist's practice. And when they buy that practice, they typically buy the employees. So now they're coming in, changing procedures, changing the way they want things done. And the older, the older employees maybe cannot do the new position. So there's an issue and maybe they're letting those employees go. Well, we've had lawsuits come up because of age discrimination and all these changes. So that was historically our biggest concern. But like you said, now there's a whole nother range of possibilities you might have to let someone go as we're trying to get people to return to work post-COVID and it becomes all that more important. So um, to me, I, I think you really need to look at your base policy. Whether you have it or not, it's not enough um, because the highest we typically see might be 25,000. If you get sued, Rob, uh, Paul, I mean, that's going to, that's not going to go anywhere for you. Um, it probably wouldn't cover your attorney's fees, but no, it wouldn't cover your attorney's fees. Uh, if, if the, if the lawsuit went to any, you know, to, to any more advanced stage. And uh, if, if there was some sort of settlement that, that needed to be paid out in connection with that, it definitely wouldn't cover the attorney's fees in that settlement. And I, I will say even the 10 to 25, We've seen people that have come to us with that problem. Well, they'll still say, "Yeah, I have this EPLI. It's in my, it's part of my business owner's uh, insurance." And then I, I've seen it as low as a thousand dollars, which you know, talk about not being worth the paper it's written on. A thousand dollars does not go far in the EPLI world. So this is another podcast where Rob has outnumbered me with non-dentists. One day we're going to podcast with three dentists against Rob. That never has happened so far. So I'm the only <laughs> practice owner out there. So. Just for me to share for a minute, and just so because I can kind of, our listeners, a lot of dentists, so your dental practice owner like me, I remember a few years ago, our insurance agent said, you need to get EPLI. I usually do all these things. So I said, that makes sense. Of course, you don't want to pay for these things. But I say, this makes sense. But, you know, I use this podcast for one reason, free advice. So here I'm at it. You, you hear a disclaimer that this is not real legal advice from, uh, and consult your attorney. But I like to use myself as these examples. So I learned something. What's your traditional limits on an EPLI policy once you purchase one from a, a company like yours or another company, what are these limits? Because dentists know the one and the three million a lot from our malpractice. What's the EPLI version of that? You know, that that's an interesting, interesting question. Before COVID, um, we could get up to, you know, half million dollars or more. Um, now when, and we've always suggested to get at least, you know, 100 to 250, like you said, people are premium sensitive. So, we let them know the exposure and they've really got to understand and understand it's worth the money, but not everybody makes the right decision. Right. Um, so we can get up to 500,000, but now Laura, 
Um, I know we can't add it until the policy renews. And if we do want to add it, there's more scrutiny for how much they'll issue, correct? Right. What are you right. So I guess we'll say mid-COVID, um, the carriers are really scrutinizing this a little bit closer than they were before. And there's more limitations on how willing they are to increase that coverage that you have on your policy. So if you're going to look at your coverage right now and call in and say, I want to increase my coverage today, um, underwriting is really going to take a closer look at that in this mid-COVID situation that we're in. Um, so you may have a little more difficulty increasing to those higher limits that we are recommending or had been recommending pre-COVID. So hopefully when we get into this post-COVID you know, scenario that we're talking about, we will go back to normal. And the discussions I've had with our carriers, they have said maybe within the next month or so. So I, I think everyone's in this post-COVID mode that we're in right now. So I think, I think we're going to see a lot of this go back to what we had seen in the past, and we're going to be able to make these increases and go up to the 500000 on their bought policies that we've done in the past. I appreciate that. One of my favorite movies is Philadelphia, and I don't remember Denzel Washington consistently said, explain it to me like I'm a four-year-old. Dumb it down is not nice, but maybe dentist practice owner it down for me. Because, Rob, you, you ever read one of these contracts, everything starts with whereas. That's how Rob talks. We're getting margaritas. Whereas, do you want to get a margarita? So what are you talking about, Rob? And I'm just joking a little, but even some of the language you guys are using, the three of you, as a dental practice owner, some of it starts to go over my head. So you get this insurance mainly to protect yourself against discri employee discrimination problems, age discrimination being one of them. What are other things that it protects you from? Sexual harassment. I mean, pretty much anything, uh, you know, this treatment towards people with disabilities, anything that has to do with your employees wanting to sue you really is a, is a reason to, to call us and see if you're covered for this. Um, a lot of it has, you know, one of the big ones, Laura, um, that we see, what is it? Um, uh, payroll issues. You'll have some, you'll have some issues sometimes. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's not just everyone, I think always thinks of discrimination and harassment. So it's also retaliation. It's, um, maybe a violation of FMLA, which, you know, during COVID could come up more often than, than possibly before. Um, wrongful discipline, wrongful termination. And I think in this time that is different than what we've been in prior, you know, maybe you don't have employees coming to work regularly as scheduled. You know, how do you discipline them? That, that's something that you may not think of that could be an EPLI claim. And like Sean said, also with hours, if you have people working from home, are they clocked in? Are they logging their overtime? Things like that. So things that maybe wouldn't have been on your radar before, you know, you need to start thinking about now. Gotcha. Yeah, and that's a great point. And, and that reminds me too, that for all the people that are sitting out there listening right now, they're saying, I am not a discriminatory employer. I don't do the wrong thing. I, I, I don't have I, I don't, I don't have the bias. I don't I'm, I'm not I don't uh, I don't discriminate against older people against against race religion. I'm a good person. That doesn't matter. Okay. So you know obviously if you are fit in that category, you've got problems, and it's quite likely that you could get sued sometime for that. But even people that are well intentioned who didn't seek to 
to terminate somebody or didn't make a hiring decision that was motivated by some sort of bias or ulterior motive. It doesn't matter. You don't have to kind of go out there intending to violate these laws. Sometimes good people do get sued for this stuff. And it's because it's the appearance of impropriety. It's because you may say, hey, I, I had just made these decisions and I, I, you know, look, there was so much going on and I brought these three people back, but I didn't bring those three people back. Yeah, and without thinking about whether or not what that would look like after the fact. And then all it takes is a crafty lawyer to start looking at those numbers and said, well, statistically, you hired this many people of this protected group and you fired this many people of this protected group. Therefore, you should, you've engaged in some sort of discriminatory behavior. So if you're thinking right now that, hey, I'm a good person, I don't need this insurance, it, it just doesn't matter, you know, because this is truly a classic example of, you know, bad things can happen to good people, Paul. And now, now especially with practice owners trying to make so many decisions in a, in a, in a very fluid and evolving uh, climate to operate their dental practice, as far as PPE, what hours are going to be open, how many patients you're going to have there, when people are coming in, when your employees are working, when your employees are leaving, what days, what hours. There's just so much going on that you may not realize that one of the decisions that you made concerning hiring or firing somebody isn't going to look good when it's scrutinized after the fact. Yeah, it's amazing. Before, it'd be, you think of the craziest possible examples, and it would be like, well, an employee comes to work and you suspect them of drinking on the job and you find an empty bottle in the garbage can, you let them go. Well, that's, you better think about how you're gonna handle that and get a risk consultant on the phone because that could be a, that could be a lawsuit if a lawyer is willing to take that case and sue you and they'll fi- they can find someone that's willing to take that case, mm-hmm. right? So it's just some of the most off the wall things could happen. And the bottom line is protect yourself properly. I, because this is- I mean, I'm, I'm here, Rob has been a close friend and advisor just so helpful. And, and really told me when I'm about to lose my nachos many times over our, our friendship and uh, client relationship. And that's such a key point, you know, for awareness and being purposeful, like Rob says, because as a practice owner, you can't just react intuitively, like how you were raised, right? You know, okay, you have a discussion. And it's because it, it, I remember this from a famous lecture, even when I was a resident, talking about that same example with the drinking with marijuana use. And it just kind of blew my mind because I was just like, you can't just do this thing. So this is why this is such a perfect topic for what they don't teach them in dental school. Because I think a lot of times dentists react to how they were raised, how it's intuitive. And what you said, Rob, exactly is true. And it's just important for our listeners to note that as a medium age practice owner who has two practices, get somebody on the phone to ask a question to. I mean, you can always do, you can't undo, right? Just take that moment. I mean, dentists can be reactive. And I just encourage, give yourself 24 hours, nothing's going to happen where you can consult with someone on these major decisions because you're going to, I'm sure you guys deal with this all the time and Rob too. And it's, it's, you know, people wish they had done that and now they're in a much more difficult situation. Well, you don't always, if I may, uh, Rob, I mean, certainly you can call your personal attorney. You can also call the advisor and they can get a risk management consultant on the phone. It doesn't have to necessarily go outside of that, uh, Laura. I mean, that happens quite a lot for us. At our, at our firm, right, Laura? Right, and um, most carriers do have a hotline or risk management line, and you can call in and get advice. We've had that happen quite a bit um, during COVID. Someone wants advice on you know, bringing employees back or furloughing employees and how to do that. 
um, and we have those resources to refer them to. Great. Yeah, and I think it's key again, none of this stuff is intuitive. Uh, you know, the, the laws are not intuitive. The process that you have to go through is not intuitive. So what might be the, the best common sense way to approach a problem Maybe the way that would just absolutely set you up for a lawsuit, unfortunately. It's a shame that almost everything now requires a panel discussion, right? Yeah. When it comes to employees. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, it's just, and, and that's, you know, my, 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 yeah. one of my, my favorite all time books, you know, Hunter S. Thompson, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. And the opening quote is when the, when the going gets weird, the weird turn pro. And, you know, we're there. I mean, the going has gotten very weird and the weird is, is like ready for the Hall of Fame right now. So, you know, and, and whenever people are in those desperate situations, that's when they do desperate things. And, and look, everybody's going to try to do what they need to do to, to get their get their stake and to try to, to recover money and to, to put themselves and to be able to feed their families and do what needs to happen for to protect themselves. And sometimes that's going to end up uh, where the practice owners are on the defense of a, of a lawsuit. But I think you guys mentioned uh, a few minutes ago that even outside of the COVID world, I think it's interesting to note that there are a lot of potential problems in practice transitions. So uh, we help a lot of clients who are transitioning into, into practice ownership. Paul absolutely helps a lot of clients too as a, as a buyer broker uh, or a buyer uh, representative. As a, as a transition broker, uh, as, and as, as a, a yogi, uh, a confidant, and, and whatever else it is, Paul, that you yeah, that you told yourself of that. But so we deal with tran practice transitions a lot. And I think it's really interesting what you're saying is when you have a new owner, so a, a new practice owner, this is even outside of COVID, this is the type of, of insurance product that that practice owner needs to be aware of because you're stepping into the shoes of the seller the way the seller has conducted their practice perhaps for the last 30 years. Uh, and you're going to make some, some different uh, hiring and, and firing decisions. Possibly you're going to change the policies and that may be something that's upsetting to certain people and certain people may not make it through that transition phase. And so while COVID is definitely a, a time period of, of uh, greater frequency of the types of, decisions that lead to litigation in, in the employee uh, context, so are practice transitions, right? Yeah, I mean, you're buying the goodwill, but you're also in the hard assets, but you're also buying the, the problems, mm -hmm. you know? And I, ha I have a, a number of examples where um, new, new uh, young doctor buys an existing practice and, you know, the employment practice liability protection saved, saved the practice because of a very substantial lawsuit and issue because they had to get rid of some of the problematic employees and there was a lawsuit. So yeah, all, all the time, this is going to be an issue. Yeah. I've got a lot of awesome help from uh, Rob's awesome team, especially Anna, who's good this. And we, we were talking about transition things. It's like, I'm, I'm on my, you know, bought multiple additional practices. You learn each time, kind of like children try to learn each time and do it better. And like, I think it's really valuable to manage expectations on that first time when you take over, whether you have an agreement, an employee manual, because sometimes you just are nervous. You don't want to say anything to disrupt them. But then three months later, you know, you have this massive problem. And I just think, you know, Rob and I've talked about this a lot. Practice transitions are challenging in any climate, but during this pandemic climate, like if someone's going to buy my practice tomorrow, 
uh, actually, you know anyone who wants to buy my practice? Well, no, I'm just joking. But, uh, uh, you know, it would be so, it would be a factor of 10 times the difficulty with the staff and team as it would last year. Because, you know, everyone's, I mean, this happens too. I mean, these things I'm sure you see, and Rob, you see, is like just the fact that everybody don't, doesn't see each other in person anymore creates a challenge, right? I mean, you know, you're, they, people, when they're home by themselves, they think sometimes worse than what happens. You don't want to bring them back. Maybe it's for you don't have enough patience, but they think it's something else. So I totally think this is just such an important golden nacho for everyone listening to think about it anytime, but especially now. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really the classic where you say you're inheriting the other people's, the seller's issues. It's something that we talk about a lot of times when people say, should I do a startup or should I do an acquisition? And, and you know, and I know that Sean and, and Laura, we have mutual clients, uh, Trailer and Heisel and, and our firm that, have, that do startups and do acquisitions. And I know that you guys have worked with a lot of our, our startup clients uh, around the country. And that's something that people really, I don't think, fully understand probably until the day they get the keys and they walk in that you don't have the opportunity to handpick all these people that are really following your vision and for, for the office and how you want to approach things. And Paul, this is a human business, right? So it's not just like you buy the practice and say, I'm going to change everything and everybody and how all these employees think the day after closing. And, you know, even though they've been doing it that way for 20 years, we're going to change it all this one day. It just doesn't work like that. Bob and I as podcast partners, he's le- we've legally signed over each other's jokes to each other. It's a very official form. So, so we use them. I always say dental offices are people places, not pizza places, right? They're people places. Dentists are really into numbers, but it's about people. And until you're in this world, you don't see that. And sometimes it's too late. And, you know, it's like I try not to – I watch a lot of Frozen 2. It's a popular movie in our house. There's a song, Some Things Never Change. You know, it's like this is what these owners need to embrace in the transition time to not disrupt too many things with the team. But if they don't have good advisors, they don't have good people telling them this, sometimes they can just get themselves into a, a burnt nacho mess. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And before we move in and talk about a couple other products, I think it's also a good time to talk about, Paul, the really the importance of working with somebody that's experienced uh, in the industry and understands not just the, the policies and the ins and outs of the insurance product, but the needs of their client. You know, and as you said, in the first prong with the ins and outs of the insurance policy, if you think contracts with the whereas and all that stuff are bad, insurance policies are a whole nother dimension. There is the exception to the exception of the exception. You know, like you need a scorecard to read one of these things. Even for a lawyer, it's a challenge to get through them. Mm-hmm. And so the only way that you really have true understanding of what you what you're signing up for and what you're buying is to work with someone who understands those policies who's been working with those policies and people in your profession for a long time that can tell you what it is and explain it to you because this is probably one maybe the number one or certainly right up there in the top few ways that you can't diy this stuff you know nobody can pull out their insurance policy whether it's a a disability policy or even a life insurance policy and certainly not a, a, a business owner policy with all the, the general liability and the EPLI and read through that policy on a Saturday morning and understand what it is that they've, they've bought. I mean, and so that's where, you know, people like Sean and Laura and folks at Trailer and Heisel add value. Uh, and, and so, you know, there's sometimes, and this is in the insurance world as with the legal world and the CPA world, there's this tendency to, hey, uh, I can work with somebody that's experienced in the industry, or my brother-in-law has a neighbor who has a friend. 
Like, you, you just don't want to be doing I that. I want to stay there for one uh, second, Robin. I want to ask these, uh, uh, Laura and Sean, too. You know, when you're a dentist, and you know dentists, if someone comes in and says, can't you just take my kids' impacted wisdom teeth out? I say, no, 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 that is not for me. Or, I really like you. I don't care if you like me, you're going to go to an oral surgeon. I always feel like maybe whoever these, like, friends are really get thrown under this bus because why do they even want to jump into this dental world where you guys spend your lives learning about this stuff and it's complicated. I always just am curious. It's just it's probably not off topic, but you know, when they get like, you know, when we do practice transitions, say, my brother-in-law is going to do it. He's a divorce attorney. I'm like, you must have really like held something over this guy's head. Because I'm always curious, like, why these other advisors want to even jump into this world. What, what do you think, Rob? I mean, we're just, just a. Um, well, it's the difference between if if you're dealing with somebody that's that's reputable, that's happy and safe, and you know, uh, confident in their business, they're not trying to stray outside of the, trying to get outside their lane. The people that get outside their lane in my observation over the last 25 years of practicing a lawyer are people that need need more business or need more work. So um, if, if somebody's signing up, because I mean, I'll tell you, I don't like to get outside of my lane. I know, Paul, you're not going to go out and start you know, like putting braces on people, you know, just because somebody walks in and like, hey, can you ban me up? Like, uh, sure, you know, like uh, $5,000. Yeah, of course, sign me up. Like you, if you have a strong enough, business or practice, you, you don't want any parts of things outside of your, of your wheelhouse. And, you know, I, I, I think I see, you know, Sean and Laura are, are, are nodding their heads. So. I didn't want to get off topic too much, but I was just thinking that when they said, when someone on a practice, they just, just says, it's my cousin who does, you know, this type of law on the deal. I'm like, you must've really like begged them to do this. Or like you said, Rob, that's the case. Cause it's like, it's like asking you guys to read the bonding agent uh, that we use to put in fillings. It, it's, it's not something that you see all the time. So. Well, I mean, in my, in my experience, it's either they're very hungry, right? Or they're trying to do you a favor and they're willing to go outside of their area of expertise to try to figure it out for you. And both things are kind of a recipe, in my opinion, for disaster, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, deal with people that have been in the industry that every time they answer their phone, they're talking to a dentist and finding a solution. I, you know, yeah. our goal is to help um, dentists, have the peace of mind that they can focus on their profession and their family. That's what, that's, that's what we live by. And you have to have a commitment to dentistry and a laser focus to take all that worry out of the equation by proper planning, you know? So like I said, some, I've had friends approach me and, you know, earlier in my career, I'd be like, I don't, it's not my niche, but I'll, I'll look into it. And I'll try to figure it out. At the end of the day, I end up saying, you know what, go deal with that person. They're going to take care of you. Um, so it's hunger or a good hearted person trying to help you out that, that shun it. Yeah, true. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. So, uh, again, in the, the current transitioning into post COVID world that we're in another sort of reality of the business world and, and the dental practice world is that a lot of people are accessing data remotely. Uh, they're not physically in the office which means that there are passwords floating around out there. There are laptops and iPads that people may share with their, with their four-year-old perhaps uh, that may be trying to access uh, data, which just gives rise to possible cybersecurity and cyber breach and data breach uh, claims. So talk to our listeners, if you could, guys, about what types of coverage are, is available for uh, to, to address those potential needs. 
Sure, and I'd be really concerned about it. You know, you think it's just for these big businesses that these hackers are going to go after. Um, well, they may think that that's too big of a, a wall to break down, and it's easier to break down a small business's wall to get in. Uh, so you want to have protection for your, your data. And along those lines also is what if some, some hacker holds your ransom? And we've had experience with that. So it's, data breach includes both those protections. And Laura, correct me if I'm wrong, but typically that's not, carriers do not include that on their business owner's policy, right? That's got to be an, an addition. Right. So that's not something where there's a throw in or there's, uh, you know, that, you know, 20,000, 25,000 we talked about with EPLI, usually there's no coverage at all unless the client opts to add that coverage in. Mm -hmm. So that's got to be an actual, you know, conversation because a lot of times you're securing this business owner's policy when you're closing on the business, right? I mean, the banks, the only reason you're doing it is the bank says, get this, right? Well, you have what the bank needs, but man, you have a risk here. You really should look at what happens if someone is able to get a hold of your data for your, all your patients and they could possibly steal all their identities and what, but even another major issue, what happens if they lock your computer systems up and hold you ransom, right? How does that handle? What do you do? And if you don't talk about it and get protection, you have no coverage at all for that. You're on your own. Um, so we're going to have that conversation and, you know, you're going to see limits, what, 100,000 on the low end, half a million on the high end. Um, we have had ransomware claims um, and pretty, pretty large. I think if I remember correctly, the doctor paid the ransom. So if you guys don't know what that is, just explain it. You know, your, your systems are locked up and someone says, we're not going to unlock your systems until you pay and transfer X amount of dollars to our bank account, right? Um, what do you do? You can't you can't operate your business at all if you're locked up. So that should be a very, it's going to be a very scary situation. Sounds like, Sean, a really stressful situation. Mm -hmm. Totally happened yeah. to me in my practice. One of the worst three days of our practice. Everything went as, we had that happen to us and everything went as, as well as possible and it was miserable. First of all, think of this. If you lost your cell phone right now, you almost couldn't operate in life. Even if they turned off your cell phone and nobody was gonna get your pictures. You could not focus until you got that cell phone back. You, you, so what happened in our office was, we're like, I guess we can't do any fillings because our ransomware, we could, but everybody's brain was just melting down because no one could make the next appointment. So for three days, that really shut us down. We had all the proper safeguards and the insurance. It, uh, Linda Harvey was a podcast guest, Rob had to get involved with HIPAA. We had, it was an entire Ben, um, our IT guy, it was in our world, and maybe I'm just, you know, telling this simplistic way, it's like they locked the front door, and now they have to unlock it. They didn't get anybody's data, which was fortunate, and, you know, we were able to, like, use our backup to rebuild it. So I just want to share with the listeners, it was a horrible experience that went as well as possible. So your comments are super valuable to getting that. I'm very glad we had the insurance because I felt like, and I'm not always the best with details, but I felt like when I got that claim or saw that claim, it was like one of those ridiculous hospital bills where you paid the 2,500, but it was really like $280,000. That's what I felt when that came back. Uh, and I'm glad you had a good experience, Paul. That's great. Um, and you had someone to call because if we get that call, we're going to say, 
Oh, we're looking at our notes. We reviewed this with you. We recommend you purchase it and you chose not to purchase it. Call your attorney. We're, we're going to have that documented every time because it's our duty to go through that and make sure that you know how important it is. And how scary is it if potentially your, your patient's uh, personal information, their social security numbers, if you have them, date of birth, addresses, n- n- names, um, are somehow in some stranger's hands now, or you're completely locked out. And we are so, so darn dependent on our systems. It is some scary stuff. Um, so to have someone just to call, let alone pay for getting you out of that mess is really, really important. Um, you know, we've had people pay the ransom and then file a claim and actually have, Laura, that ransom was reimbursed to the doctor, right? Yeah, that's actually part of the coverage. The mm-hmm. ransom's reimbursed or, or the carrier pays out the ransom as part of uh, rebuilding the system. So that is included. Yeah. So, you know, who knows how it will be handled is, is, is situation specific. But I think the takeaway is get yourself data breach coverage, get a liberal limit, because if you think about a ransom, like you said, Paul, it's not going to be $2,500 and I'll give you all your systems back. You know, also, you're not going to want to cover that with your emergency fund. This happens all the time. And it's such an unfair part of being a human being with a brain. But like if you go to Target and they get hacked, you somehow like blame Target, even if you're thinking like, even if nothing happens. So it's, it's just a really bad customer experience to have to alert and do. So you, I just, you know, I'm glad Rob, you know, got you guys to share this. I think it's like, this is not the fun toppings to talk about. It's not the guac and uh, the queso of dentistry or full mouth rehabs and implants, but it is the stuff that really just won't let you even be able to make your nachos at all. So I think that data breach is critical. Well, the other and thing, we've had, yeah, we've had uh, other guests on the show that talk about cybersecurity, you know, which is great. And that is, that's, I, I view this as a two prong approach to defending against the problem. One, you, you commit to the highest level of cybersecurity possible. But just as with the employment claims, you can do all that stuff and there's no way that if a hacker really wants to get in, that anything that, that a dental office is going to be able to do to keep them out if they absolutely want to get in. So the second prong to that defense is to carry the insurance. Yeah. And you know, having the insurance without the cybersecurity is a bad idea. Having, having cybersecurity without the insurance is a bad idea. You really need both of those things to combat this, this potential problem. Yeah, and you know, just to have the resources, you know, there's two parts to the coverage. There's, uh, I believe it's called good faith coverage, um, and that'll cover things like, okay, we got to notify all the patients that of the breach. What's the best way to do that? You know, how do we do that in a sensitive way so there's not this big alert out yeah. there, right? And then providing creditor protection for them, you know, to make sure that 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 no one's stealing their identity and that's monitored. So that's, that's one area, and boy, the guidance is so needed to make sure that's an effective plan that you execute. And the other side is defense costs, if, if there is a lawsuit because of that breach um, for the data breach part. So all these things, you know, when you go through, if you think about everything that could go wrong, you will never sleep at night, but you can put things in place at least to have someone there to help you provide answers and have you a backup plan if things do not go according to your plan, right? And that's just so true of what we do. And we love being there to have those calls because, you know, it's only as good as the people that stand behind it. Um, And that's what we pride ourselves on as far as anybody in this industry should have a heart for service to help you get in there with you and help you in your time of need. 
Great, cool. Yeah, that's good. That's why you have insurance, right? And mm -hmm. good insurance. Uh, so the, the last type of, say, COVID-relevant uh, coverage for a COVID type of problem that's out there uh, is coverage and malpractice coverage for virtual or telemedicine. So now, obviously, a lot of people in the height of the pandemic, wherever they were, they were offices were, were, were closed by a governmental order or they chose to, to, to not open. And we're still communicating with patients uh, by, by web call or by FaceTime or Zoom or whatever the case may be. We're engaged in telemedicine. And I think that it's probably reasonable to expect that some of that will carry into the post-COVID world too. Paul, I mean, I, what do you see in that regard? I, mean, I want to share my story because I, I always think like systems change. And I always use like, people used to be able to smoke on an airplane. That used to be a thing. You just walk on and people were smoking. You think, how did that happen, right? And you know, we don't do them more. So I would proudly, or not even proudly, I would always check, do you provide dental care via the internet? And I would kind of smirk in 2005, like, no. Then maybe in like 2012, I was like, well, do I give like advice online? But I kind of was like, no, I really don't. You know, I talk to patients on my cell phone for emergencies, but I'm not like out there as like Dr. Nacho Oz doing that. But now, yada, yada, yada with Seinfeld, right? Now we are providing services through the internet. On Dental Nachos, we featured, you know, as sponsors, many telemedicine platforms. And there's been, you know, some people have been on our podcast already. So we definitely have embrace this coolness aspect of being able to do telemedicine, but much like cool plans, yeah, share with us, how do you protect yourself? Because as a practicing dentist of 18 years, no idea. So I'm very interested as to what we do here. I'll lean forward to the Zoom. Can't see it. <laughs> well, I love this because I always, you know, I love looking at business and seeing that always inevitably through, through challenge comes innovation, right? And, you know, you look back at the history of what we went through in 2008 and all these different challenge periods in my 20-year career, something has, good has come out of it. We've become, we've, we've established efficiencies. And this is potentially a major efficiency that could help dental offices go to the next level. Um, but we have to also pay attention to how does this affect any kind of potential liability when it comes to treatment of the patients and patient care. Um, so it is being addressed and carriers are treating it, I think in a pretty similar fashion um, you know, and a lot of it has to do with, are you treating your, consulting your current patients? And is it part of your overall, you know, typical package that you'd offer patients? Or are you starting a brand new business that's only going to be teledentistry or whatever? That may not be reasonable, of course, you have to get in there and do work. But they, the, the carriers are kind of drawing a line in the sand. Sometimes they're going to say, yeah, it's provided as under your typical coverage. Um, but if you are going to go out and establish something totally teledentistry um, as a practice with new patients. Right, Sean, um, you're right on point with that. So our carriers are very aware of the situation that we're in. And so if you're treating your patients of record, they're calling in and saying, you know, do I need to come in for an appointment? This is what I have going on. That's covered on your malpractice policy. But like Sean said, if you're going to you know, maybe try to take advantage of the situation and start this new practice where you only see patients virtually and then, I don't know, refer them off. That's something that they're not going to cover. Mm -hmm. I was thinking, Lawrence, I remember, because I, I, there's been some cool things happening, which I think will exist after, you know, like, do people have to come running in for every small thing? Can we get on a Zoom call? 
and say, my child's tooth is like this. And I say, it's no problem. I think that's a cool part, but where's my liability? Like, where's this middle ground? Like, I'm just curious, have you seen, if I want to add to my policy, hey, I want to do teledentistry consults, charge or no charge on patients now and post pandemic, you know, should I be asking my insurance carrier what that looks like and are they creating, I look, I use copy all Rob's terms, creating new language an honest term. You want new language? I want some new language. Look at that. I create new language for my briefs and torts. I'm just joking, but creating new language for this as a practice owner. Have you seen that? I mean, anytime you have any uncertainty, call your advisor and get in contact with the carrier, right? Anytime. That's, that's our job. But what we have seen with, with in the industry and in the carriers that we communicate with most frequently is that what you're talking about doing is, is perfectly fine and underneath the guise of the, the malpractice policy, right? I mean, for my primary care physician, I love that I can hop on and do, do a consult, wait five minutes in my home, have my primary care physician, the team from that service hop on, talk to me and give a script and I have my script fulfilled within like 15 minutes down the street. It's amazing. It's wonderful. And, I'd, and I think from a, from a dental perspective, I'd love that I'd be able to say, this happened to my tooth. I chipped it. See it. You evaluate and say, you better, yeah, I'll make a time, go to get on in here or whatever. Those are innovations that are going to happen. And I think the industry has to react and provide you guys with the coverage. And to date, we're not seeing any problem with, with that. You know, it's just, it's just, I think, whenever the balance gets too much or if someone thinks they're going to do just charging for consults and referring on, you know, I don't think the insurance industry understands what the exposure is and how to insure it properly. Yeah. And that's what, it, that's what it comes down to is they have to understand what the exposure is. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it's great. It's great insight. I think we're going to see this develop. Uh, you know, one of the things I can share is being a dentist practice owner in New Jersey, such a relaxing state to work and really stress-free, not just joking. It's really difficult. Uh, you know, we don't have the capacity that we used to have. So now as we kind of become less closed, now we get September and there's this thing, like I see the need to kind of have a dentist in a room. And one of my friends who does a lot of sleep apnea in, uh, at a high level with kids, like he does all these cool virtual concept consults. And I just want to do it for, like you said, efficiency, because the Bringing a human being in, putting them in your dental chair and looking in their mouth has become 20 times as hard as it was four months ago. Just that action. It's not the same. Rob, you've been doing telelaw for years, right? You know, you, you even said you've had clients that you didn't even talk to on the phone, which for your generation was, so you've been doing this with leases and asset purchase agreements. Uh, I think dentistry is going to have to embrace it for their sanity. I actually believe it's for our own sanity, you know, to be able to look at someone on a Zoom and like your doctor and say, yes, your child's too. I mean, this happens to me. People, people text you pictures of their kids, but obviously now we get into HIPAA things. So I think it's cool. It's just, we're deep, we're just developing, I guess, systems that will support us with liability as we move along. I, I think that the, the thing that people have to understand the takeaway with this needs to be, if you're planning on engaging in some sort of telemedicine or something beyond the scope of, just a few here or there, or a couple of consults or returning calls and looking at something, or even that, you have to consult with an experienced insurance consultant to, to ask them, hey, this is what I'm, what I'm intending to do, am I covered? And if they can't tell you, I'd imagine Sean or Laura, then you pick up the phone and you call the carrier and say, this is what our client wants to do, does, does he or she have coverage for it? And if the answer is no, 
then we got to go find some other place or some other way for them to have coverage, right? I mean, you can find out this stuff before you get in trouble. It's okay. Like you can, you can work with your insurance consultant and tell them what it is that you intend to do to confirm that you have insurance coverage for that, right? I tell you, anytime you change the scope of your practice, you want to start placing implants, you add a location, you name it. Anytime you change the scope of what you're doing, you should be contacting your advisor to, to say, I'm going to do this next week. It's going to be part of my practice. I want to make sure it's added onto my coverage and that I'm covered. You want to get ahead of it, be proactive, um, and make sure that it starts before you start doing that thing, right? Um, and that's very common. People forget to call us and add their, their next location. People will start to do a new procedure and they, have, they, they haven't told us about it. Or, you know, even if you are a partner, you, you have, you're a sole practitioner, and now you have a partnership, right? Well, let us know because we have to think about your corporation for your liability insurance. So anytime you have changes in the scope of your practice, you should be calling out to your insurance advisor to think about how it might impact your coverage and what needs to be done to make sure you're covered properly. That's great. It's great advice. And, you know, I think uh, that's a, a good note to, to end on. So, Sean and Laura, if people want to learn more about Trailer and Heisel uh, or contact somebody to learn more about what we're talking about today or other insurance products, how would they go about doing that? I mean, we, we really pride ourselves on our website because it's a great way to get information. And that's, that's treloronline.com. Um, of course, we, we're, we've been in the business 60 years, so we still have the old 800 number. You can call us at 800-345-6040. But just by going online um, and submitting a question or you can put your zip code in and um, submit immediately, an advisor is going to be alerted that you have a question. They're going to reach out and call you. Um, you know, we really pride ourselves on that same day or 24-hour response time. We're, we're still a small company at heart that services a tremendous amount of dentists. So, um, but we feel like that's the easiest way, right? Go right to the website, put in your zip code, boom, submit. We're reaching out to you within more, most of the time it's the same day, but it's always within 24 hours. That's a human being that's, you know, in that territory covers that market. It's, Absolutely. It's reaching out. Yeah, every advisor for Tree Lauren Heisel across the nation is an employee of Tree Lauren Heisel, trained by Tree Lauren Heisel um, and with all the same, you know, philosophies and the same kind of care and the passion to work with dentists and help protect them and help them become financially successful throughout their career. Cool. Yeah, thank you so much, Sean and, and Laura, for, for taking the time. It's lots of great takeaways for, uh, for our listeners and uh, appreciate your time. Great advice. It's been great. It's been fun. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Rob. Thank you. Hey, Paul, so another you know, really informative session here for, for our listeners. I mean, we've done a lot of work with Triller and Heisel and their agents around the country. Uh, like I said, you have just a real top flight uh, group of people that are, are easy to work with and bring just great expertise to, to the industry and uh, you know, really somebody that I think anybody should really include in their conversation. When they're, so critical. I mean, I, when we had a duel when we first had Daphne, I was grateful that, those, that a duel existed. And I think it's the same way with this. So as dentists, be grateful that we have these sub-specialized resources to protect us in our career. And, you know, I was uh, making a joke this morning, Rob, on something, you know, like I had to learn things on the street back in the day and the streets weren't so helpful. And now we have, you know, people who can tell you what to do with stuff that's kind of just being invented now. I mean, EPLI 
insurance was not part of what I grew up with in, as a dentist, but now it's part of what I do. Yeah. And we're just in such a, a changing and evolving world right now. There's so many things and there's just so many variables that you have no control over. And I feel like, you know, as a business owner myself and, and somebody that advises business owners all the time, there are certain risks that you can take out of the equation, you know, that you could take off of the board uh, through insurance products. And we don't know what's coming next. We don't know what to anticipate in a lot of respects. So that's what insurance is for, for the things that, you know, you can't control. And again, as I said earlier, the types of things, especially with the EPLI, you don't have to be a bad intention person or, you know, some evildoer to be sued for those types of claims. So it's not enough to say, I'm a good person. I don't have to worry about having that insurance, especially in this day and age where you're going to be dealing with a lot of people who are in desperate situations, who are going to be you know, backed into a corner where they need to get money to, to, to feed themselves and to protect their families, who may fall within the guise of, you know, the, the what is uh, a claim under uh, uh, an employment law statute. And that turns into a lawsuit. And you know, we used to litigate I, I used to litigate when I was first a lawyer. I don't anymore, but I know what it is. And it's a bad sport for anybody to be engaged in, especially claims where you don't have insurance coverage. Me, I, I still remember you're resonating with us back when we were residents about, you know, there's really no winners in a restrictive covenant lawsuit. And it's the same thing, but you want to protect yourself as much as possible. Just like I shared during the podcast, we had as great an outcome as possible with a data breach and it was pretty miserable. So that's, I just think dentists uh, need to embrace this awareness as business owners because the fun stuff is helping patients and making people smile. And this is what lets you do it. Yeah. Right. And I'll just say the, the last takeaway is don't find out what kind of insurance coverage you have when there's a claim made. Right. Right. Great so advice. Do it in advance. And you'll be glad that you did. And so thanks everybody for listening, Paul. It's, it's good to see you virtually. I, uh, I haven't run into you in, in, on the streets in Philadelphia because we're we're sheltering in place at a, an undisclosed location outside of town, but someday soon. I maybe. hope so. But I have to say, Rob, you usually start off and I feel like it was, uh, you know, while we're mid-pandemic, you say, this is our, you know, seventh in a row, but I think we've lost count. So hopefully we've got to yeah. get back together in person uh, soon. But I like your positive attitude towards we're getting close to the end here. So appreciate it, Rob. Good talking as always. Same here, Paul. Thanks for listening to another great podcast with The Dental Amigos. And don't forget to tune in next time to have the dental business demystified. If you're looking for more information about today's podcast, you can find it on thedentalamigos.com. If you're looking for Paul, you can find Paul at drpaulgoodman.com. And if you're looking for Rob, you can find him at yourdentallawyer.com. This podcast has been sponsored by Orange Line Media Group, helping dentists and other professionals create content people love. Find out how we can help you take your business to the next level at www.orangelinemg.com. Till next time.